Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the latest Man on the Post European podcast. I'm your host, James Rowan. Tonight, once again, I'm joined by my partner in crime, a very, very happy Scott Munro. Scott, evening, how are you? Yeah, not too bad. Um, I missed uh, some, of the, some of the games last night because I was at Swindon Forest Green Rovers. Mm. And it turned out a very good 2-0 home win. And uh, there's a bit of a late push for the playoffs. Indeed, how quickly things can change in football. And we were on the WhatsApp beforehand. No vegan food at uh, the county ground in honour of Forest Green Rovers? No, but there was a um, there was a minute silence for uh, a Swindon legend, uh, Danny Danny Williams, who sadly passed away. He was the coach or manager of the club when Swindon won the League Cup in 1969. OK, at so the expense it, of my club, so thank you very much for dropping that in there. I'm really sorry, but there was a very nice minute's applause on the minute of 69. Yeah, well, uh, yes. I know, but that's very good. And my condolences to Danny Williams' uh, family and friends. And uh, as I say, it's one of the darkest days in the history of Arsenal Football Club losing that final. But uh, you win some, you lose some. Indeed. We are here to talk about European football. And I thought we could start by discussing the two matches of last night. And we'll start at events in Old Trafford, where once again, English ignorance has been brought crushing back down to earth by a, a very solid display from a uh, a team from a so-called Farmers League that are only really stacked up with money. Not my words, but um, fair play to Paris Saint-Germain, I say. Yeah, we. Oh, I got my prediction horribly wrong and I'm, I'm happy to take the humble pie and, uh, and enjoy it. Yeah, I also got my prediction wrong, I believe. So we both take the humble pie. Yeah, I know, but it's good it. to have humble pie. Humble, but humble pie can be very tasty. With the topping yeah. of your choice, of course. Of course. Indeed. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I watched this game live on television. And um, for me, it was just another, another example at how European counterparts have improved, as they do every year. And how British teams seem to think our name is what what will get us through to the second uh, to the second uh, to the quarterfinal stage. I thought Thiago Silva and Marquinhos were absolutely tremendous, and the goal from Kylian Mbappe, the pace belies his years. But to be to be so determined, to also have have ground to make up, and push yourself to go and get it without breaking a stride, it was very impressive indeed. Uh, yeah, I um, I listened to the game because uh, uh, I like to take, uh, as we said before, before and uh, um, I like to take a digital radio and listen to the games when I'm actually at games. And it sounded like a maybe a game too far 
maybe a game too soon for Manchester United in this competition. Um, I was speaking to a couple of colleagues at work, one's a Man United fan, and he said to me they, they sort of toyed with them, and then when they had to play, they played, and mm. then it was just a, a wonderful goal from Mbappe, and uh, they, they toyed, toyed with them. And then uh, a bit of stupidity from Paul Pogba. I saw the challenge on Dani Alves, which yeah. was very reckless, yeah. and uh, could have could have done some real damage to Danny Alves and um, safe to say Angle Di Maria was a bit uh, riled up he got absolutely bullied by Ashley Young and yep. pushed into the touchline yep. uh, <laughs> and a bottle of Heineken touched at him yeah, which uh, he proceeded to drink yeah thrown him sorry like and a then, boss um, like a boss <laughs> and then um celebrating in front of my United fans telling them to F off yeah but would you not do the same I would yeah, I don't know why he got booed. I know he, um, he's a, I know he's an ex-Man United player, but he's, he had a, a couple of good games. And then, in, in my opinion, he got Van Howled. Yes, he did. But from my point of view, I think he made it quite clear how difficult he found it living in that area. Okay. And how unsafe him and his family felt and the burglaries yeah, no, going around yeah, the burglary, in yeah. the area. And I think that's quite normal. I mean, I've been to Paris on... On holiday for a city trip, I've also been to Old Trafford for a um, for a FA Cup semi-final at Arsenal Middlesbrough in 2002, and I know where I'd rather live. And um, yeah, I, I think for them to boo him is very short-sighted. You know, he's a, he's, a, he's a very good player. He's had a tremendous career. You know, Benfica, Real Madrid, Manchester United, Paris Saint-Germain. Still relatively young as well. He's won an awful lot, and I think his uh, outburst was justified, really. Yeah, I think it was all that uh, pent up frustration yeah. Yeah, of um, uh, his time at Man United on yeah. the occasion yeah. and the crowd getting hostile. Yeah, well, I'd, I think the crowd showed themselves up. You know, I mean, I've, as I've advocated on many different um, Arsenal based podcasts or, or when talking about European football in general, for me, Scott, the biggest sea change, apart from the money and the commercialism and all this kind of thing, is that the the gap between seasoned European teams and smaller European teams is getting smaller and smaller and smaller every single year. Now, I'm not saying that Paris Saint-Germain are by no means a small European team. They are not. But the fact remains is that particularly in British football, and I get the feeling whilst from the outside looking in here in the Netherlands, is that people just seem to think, oh, we'll do them. As long as, it, if it's, as, long as it's not Real Madrid or Barcelona, they think they've got a chance against everyone. And I think the ignorance sometimes can creep in. I mean, I saw on the... Um, I was following on BBC Online and you've got people saying, oh, yeah, we'll do Paris Saint-Germain and then we'll get this one and then we'll get that one and then play Juventus in the final. It, it doesn't work like that. It, no, it, it, it doesn't do, work like that It doesn't all. work like that at all. And I thought Paris Saint-Germain can be... Uh, and Thomas Tuchel as well, with his animation on the sidelines, he knows what that result meant. And without Neymar and without Cavani... And Buffon as well, he didn't have a lot to do. But he's still... I can imagine when you're a defender playing with that person behind you that you're going you're gonna to feel all right. You know, even if you don't feel completely at your best, you've got one of the world best, one of the best ever uh, guarding the sticks. So it will give you a good co- uh, shot of confidence. But um, I thought it was a good team performance from uh, Paris Saint-Germain and a well-deserved victory. Going back on Pogba, you you might know this from his time in Juve, um, Scott. For me, I know people change, but he doesn't seem to be the same 
dangerous footballer that he used to be. Maybe, uh, maybe for maybe for France, maybe for France in the World Cup, he had a, like um, a long Indian summer. But I don't know if it, I don't know if it, I mean, players of that caliber, you would expect to be able to do it against Brighton and Bournemouth and Cardiff with the with the greatest respect. But you'd think for a World Cup winner who, apparently in that dressing room in France, was one of the talisman. You'd think he'd, he'd push that those qualities on. And want to push on in a Champions League competition, and then he got two yellows and uh, misses the uh, the second leg in Paris. Yeah, I think maybe the occasion got to him. Um, yeah, I listened to it already. It's, it's only got a little bit riled up. I saw a little bit of the highlights when I got home from football, and a little bit on lunch. Um, I think stupidity may have got the best of him. I thought was um, in in the last couple of months that Solskjaer's been in charge you've seen the best of him maybe showing back to his UA form but you see like now it's probably two steps forward four steps back yeah, yeah no I completely I, I completely agree with that assessment and, um, um, on, on the referee uh, Italian referee Daniele Osato it's nice to see that uh, British fans see the best of him because I've been watching him in Serie A for a while and he's bloody awful Nine yellows and one red card. Um, he didn't let the game flow. Very picky. Um, he's like that in Serie A. He once gave um, a penalty to Fiorentina against Roma, um, where Robin Olsen got kicked in the head by Giovanni Simeone when Simeone was going through on goal. Mm. It went to silent bar and it was it was given as a penalty. But Orsato is not not the be all and end all. He's an awful referee. Well, you've got to give new. I mean, I, I didn't cover himself in glory, but you've got to give new referees a chance. You know, you can't. The, be, the best referees, they can't go on forever, can they? You know, they've no. got, you've, got, you've got to blood. Like new players have got to be blooded in. Youngsters have got to be blooded in. You've got to do the same with. Um, you've got to do the same with referees, I suppose. But I, I, agree, I agree with you. He didn't really cover himself in glory. No, it's nice to see the British uh, press and the British uh, sports. Uh, football see him in the light that uh, uh, the Italian fans have seen him in the last few years I think it's 136 yellow cards he's, he's shown in, in quite a lot of games well that's a stat you're not going to find on any other European podcast listeners no I saw it on Twitter yesterday <laughs> I think it's 136 yellows and one red yeah. in I think it's the games he's done uh, I think maybe in a year or so yeah, that's a bit of a, it's a bit of a ratio, isn't it? But uh, yeah. we are now going to move on to the second knockout round. Uh, second knockout round. Um, last sixteen, second match of the last sixteen. <laughs> excuse me, excuse me, slurping my tea. Um, the uh, Arsenal beating FC uh, FC Porto two one in the Sadico Olimpico, and Nicolo Saniolo with a peach of a finish for the first one. I thought that was a lovely finish, and um, I thought the. Um, I thought Porto had a great chance to go one 0 up with the header that was that was denied, and also the fracas on the touchline between Sergio Conceição and uh, Di Francesco. Not not forgetting their Roma and Lazio. Uh, have they are, they are they picking up are they picking up from where they left off in a, in a tunnel somewhere? I think they're probably picking up from where they left off in two thousand two thousand one. Mm. That far back when. Um, the season before last year won the league in uh, 2000-2001 Roma won the league and that's the last time a Roman club has won Serie A but um, 
It feels like a bittersweet moment for Roma. Um, perfect for the win. Are you not going to say about the away goal, are you? I am. Oh, yeah. Scott. What are we coming to? Right, okay, I will always respect your opinion. You know that this is a this is a teamwork, this pod. Team, teamwork makes the dream work. But I, I cannot stand for the life of me that now victories are not even celebrated. It's, oh, the away goal. I know it's, it's just the way it's just the way Roma conceded it yesterday. It's a scuffed cross, not cross shot, which floated over Manalas, and it fell to Adrian Lopez, who broke the offside trap and just finished it past Morante. It's just it was just a stupid goal to concede, and it just feels a bittersweet moment. But it's it's it. For me, being a Roma fan, we're, we're always like this. We beat someone 3-1, but it was like, oh, but we conceded a goal. But, yeah, it's just a bit of a bittersweet moment. But the fact remains, you won. And if you're going to get won, if you're yes. gonna get through to a quarterfinal, for me, I, I cannot fathom for the life of me how, I don't know, any club, you know, you've got to put more emphasis on the fact that you've won the first leg, which is what everybody would want to do yeah. in an ideal world. The away goal... You know, if if there are clubs that go out on the away goals rule, that rule should have been scrapped at least fifteen years ago, and not just because my own club's been a. I hesitate to say the word victim, but the fact remains is that goal that rule was brought in in the late seventies to encourage attacking play. Well, everybody's moved on since then. But I suppose you know, with away goals now, I I, I love European football, but I hate I I don't like when. The overemphasizing the away goal more than a potential victory. I think, well, the stuff that we won is the most important thing, and half a foot into the um, into the quarterfinals. But uh, it's going to be a tough away day in Porto, isn't it? Yeah, and um, have to silence the crowd. All I'm going to say out of this, uh, Nicolo Zaniolo, the kid, is an absolute superstar. He's 19. Um, Roma got him part of the Roger Nijgaard deal, which Nijgaard is it's a it's a bittersweet moment because he's sort of declined this season at Inter, mm-hmm. and while Roma are absolutely getting the best out of Zaniolo, um, they had Davide Santon part of the deal as well. He's actually done a, a decent job at Roma, mm-hmm. um, yeah. But Zaniolo, he's oh, since October November time, he's been a breath of fresh air to watch. I thought it was a lovely finish, the first one. Yeah. Yes, it's from short range, but to to put it away like that, I thought that was very, very... Uh, I thought that was a peach for a finish. He is going to be a superstar, and I really hope he stays at Roma. There's, um, excuse me, there's already talks of some uh, a, a particular Italian club putting in a £40 million bid in the summer, and I really hope that gets rejected. He needs to grow, and it would be Roma's uh, game. Is that the one that plays in black and white? Uh, yes, and um, has a certain Portuguese player in their, in their team. Oh, I see. But I heard they was also after the likes of uh, Federico Chiesa. Uh, yeah, I think that... Uh, or are they going to be greedy right and buy both? Yeah, well, they, they like to do what uh, Bayern Munich like to do, buy their competitors' best players yeah. and make them weaker. Yeah, well... As I say, I mean, they Juventus have Aaron Ramsey now, who, who I hear in the uh, in the corridors of power has already started Italian lessons. But um, he, he will adapt well. Yeah. He's not on the 
humongous wages which the British press are on about, it's probably more the lower, the not the top echelon, like mm. Cristiano Ronaldo wages, probably the players underneath. Mm. Well, I, I, think w- I think they're talking about seven million a year, which is it's not too bad. Well, I've often advocated British players going abroad, and in this case, a great servant to Arsenal is emulating his countryman guy going to Juventus in the way that John Charles also did. Yeah. And um, I, f- I wish him all the very best. You know, it's uh, I think he'll uh, I think he'll get better as a footballer. A new league, new country. Never been to Turin, but um, I hear it's very very nice. And uh, best of both worlds, really, playing for one of the biggest clubs in the world and and competing for titles. And um, you know, after after eleven years at Arsenal, he's got every right now to uh, to try something different. So I wish him all the very best. He will do very well, and he will adapt. Uh, into um, a very good team into a very balanced um, starting eleven. Mm, be very interesting, and uh, we shall keep an eye on. Excuse me, the Roma Porto, Porto second leg. We are now going to switch our attention to the upcoming Champions League games of next week, which kick off on the Tuesday. And the first match we are going to discuss is Leon against Barcelona. What are your thoughts on this game, Scott? This. Uh, this is. I'm gonna stick my neck out, but this is this is a Barcelona win, just because I don't know which Leon is gonna turn up. Because me and Chris of uh, the Man on the Post extra time, we've had discussions about this. Because Leon could go one week and they'd be brilliant against PSG, and then the next week they lose to Nice to Patrick Vieira's niece so I don't know I don't know which Leon side is going to turn up they have an excellent plethora of stars and they're like a they're like a team of individualists but Barcelona is Barcelona and they are streets ahead of everyone in my opinion in Europe and I, I just feel Barcelona will be too strong for them does that streets ahead also include Bilbao and Valencia? I know they dropped points against them <laughs> <laughs> in La Liga. Yes, I, in my opinion, I think they're streets ahead of everyone in Europe. Um, I, it's just my personal opinion. I think they're starting to believe their own hype, which okay. is which is which is why. They have dropped points. Bilbao is always a difficult place to go. Valencia as well. You know, that match was at home. They were 2-0 down. Messi the saviour. But, you know, it's the strongest league in the world. I don't care what anybody says. It's been the strongest league in the world for at least, what, 10 years? Maybe even more, 10 to 15. Yeah, with Leon being at home, and I have often I also stated in a previous pod when we discussed Leon how much I have to eat my words as regards to manager Bruno uh, Ganesio. Um, I fancy this game to be a draw. I think um, I think this game will be a draw, and I just think that Leon at home. I think they're gonna they're gonna give it all they've got. They're not gonna be scared. They've had a good result um, against um, against Paris Saint Germain recently, as we know. You know the Leon crowd at home in that beautiful stadium of theirs. It's uh, it's a difficult place to go, and my prediction for this match is actually one-one, Scott. Oh, um, so do you think Barcelona will be a bit too strong in the second leg in Spain? I don't know. I like to take uh, things step step by step, and I just think in this particular um, occasion, I think they're not going to have it all their own way in France. I'm 
going to say a 3-1 Barcelona win. Okay, be very interesting. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, as I say, also, every year in Europe, there's always strange results at different at different times. You know, you you could class Paris Saint-Germain as a surprising result last night. I don't say, I don't class it as, as that, but to give an example. But I, I just think, Leon they're not necessarily there to make up the numbers, and they've got some good players, and uh, obviously uh, Memphis Depay, and, uh, you know, he's, um, he's, in, um, he's found his feet in, he's found his feet there, and then, you got people saying, "Oh, he's he's outgrown Leon already. He'd be wise to stay there. Where else is he going to go? Is he going to get into? Is he going to get into the likes of Bayern Munich's team or Real Madrid's or Juventus team? No. So you might as well stay where you are and improve even more." Look what happened to him when he went to Manchester United. I feel the move was a bit too. Secret. It was, especially from PSV. Especially from PSV. You know, he 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 was. Uh, he was full of confidence, best player in the league, but I suppose he thought Van Gaal would look after him, and I think Van Gaal did do his best to look after him, but it's a hell of a jump from PSV to, um, to, Manchester, to United. Manchester United, especially at that age. So, um, yeah, I, 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 tip, I tip there to be a, a surprise result in, uh, in Lyon on Tuesday night. The second game on Tuesday night, talking about our Man on the Post colleague, Chris, it's Liverpool. It's Liverpool against Bayern Munich, and uh, well, a, a clash that doesn't come around too often. And uh, Jurgen Klopp facing uh, his uh, a club that could have employed him on numerous occasions. And uh, should he not win anything this season, maybe his future employers, in my opinion. But um, yeah, it should be a very, very intriguing game. This one at Anfield. What's your thoughts on this one, Scott? I think this is the tie to watch next week. Um, really, not not the one on Wednesday in the Wanda Metropolitano. Um, on Tuesday. Oh, sorry, I oh, on Tuesday. Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My apologies. A very slip of the tongue. I indeed, indeed. It's been a long day at work. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. I'm sure yeah, the listeners so. will be will they, they, they they're quite accommodating with us, so I'm sure they'll be fine. Yeah, sorry, I, I did mean to say it. it should be the time to watch on Tuesday. A very, very slip of the time. Um, yeah, I think this be an, an open, entertaining game. I, a part of me is going to change uh, the prediction on what I thought this would be a couple of months ago because both teams have changed in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Liverpool have been a, a bit lucky recently. Um, in refereeing decisions they've been getting and the type of goals they've been getting in the league. Um, I've been speaking to a Liverpool fan at work and said that they're not clicking, they're not playing great at the moment. Um, You can see that in their performances against West Ham, against Crystal Palace. Um, It's just, it's still, and against Leicester uh, in, in, in the midweek round a couple of weeks ago. It's just like, Part they're getting the rub of the green and then they're getting held back. Um, I don't know if it's just the system that they're playing that is too reliant on the front three or they're not getting the best out of navigator. But I feel that Bayern Munich have come into form after the winter break and look completely a different side to what they were under Kovac going into late. November, early December, where there were rumours and there were rumblings that he could get the the, the old ta- uh, tin tack, the old sack, mm. and they could probably bring in Jim Pinkers in for the 850th time. Let the, the man enjoy his retirement. Yeah, um, but 
Yeah, um, I feel this could be a draw, and I could see Bayern getting the win in the Allianz Arena. I think, first and foremost, that Bayern Munich are going to win at Anfield. I think, for me, it would be it would be no surprise. Um, as you say, they're coming into form. They had a good result against Schalke last weekend as well. I think that the likes of Lewandowski and Robin and Ribéry and Hummels, they've got one last push in them for European glory. And, um, you know, this is a, a Bayern side that almost finished second in the group to Ajax, who are without Thomas Muller because he kicked Tagliafico in the head and almost... Karate uh, kick. Karate kick and almost... Um, Almost beheaded him in such a such a way, um, but I just think that this I wouldn't call it old boys network, but I think they've got just one last push in them. I think I think they'll get through over two legs. I think they'll win both legs actually, and um, I just think that they'll go for one last um, one last crack at European glory, and um, they're still dangerous. You know, it's Bayern Munich. It's um, yes, they have their moments where they fall fall away, but also with the likes of Alaba. And uh, Serge Gnabry, and I, I remember when the draw was made, and Olivier, um, Oliver Kahn, who um, used to be goalkeeper for them, was delighted. He said Bayern wanted a challenge; they got one now. And so it's, uh, I think it's set up for them. And I think, um, I think Liverpool, their home form in the group phase got them through the group because obviously they lost in Naples, no, Belgrade. Yeah, yeah. And I don't expect them to get anything in Munich, but that's another story. But again. You know, with the they'll they'll play on the Klopp by Munich rivalry, that kind of thing. Not that Klopp particularly cares, to be honest. I don't think he gives two hoots about that. But I just think that this this squad of quality will just give one last push, and I think it will be too strong for uh, too strong for Liverpool. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, and you've got like as you said, the old the old boys club, the Ribery and yeah. uh, Robin. Um, I just feel that. Andrew Robertson I think is a wonderful left back he might have a difficult time against Ian Robin don't show him inside make him go on the outside because you know what Robin's going to do he's going to cut in from the right on his left foot and then cause absolute havoc well uh, just to add my uh, prediction as well uh, 2-1 to Bayern Munich I'm going to go 2-1 as well also for Bayern Munich or for Liverpool uh, for Bayern Munich. Oh, okay, very interesting. So we will look forward to that. I'm sure our colleague Chris will also look forward to that, and He'll he probably... might have one or two things to say about prediction yeah. wise. But you know, I can also give predictions about Queens Park Rangers as well. If, should he wish, they're on demand. Uh, we are now going to move on to what for me is the pick of the last sixteen round, and I'm actually just a little bit sad that this game is a last 16 fixture because in my opinion this game is worthy of a semi-final or even the final itself and that's Atletico against Juventus I think it's a little bit of a shame that one of these two teams are going out because in my opinion whoever wins this two-legged tie they're my favourites to win the whole competition and mine too and um, I I just think it's going to be a tight affair in in both Madrid and Turin. And my prediction, uh, Scott, is that this tie will be won by either a moment of magic from Cristiano Ronaldo or a moment of magic from Antoine Griezmann. Whether that be a free kick or a, a breakaway counter-attack or, or whatever. I know that might sound a little bit too simplistic, but I just think 
there's quality from front to back for both 11s and they can tactically mix it up as well. You've got Allegri going up against Simeone. What's that? Two of the top five managers in the world in terms of depth and tactics and man management. I think it's going to be a real a real joy to watch. So the ticket holders in the Wanda Metropolitano are going to be very, very lucky on the 20th of February. My prediction for the first leg, I think it's going to be a nil-nil draw. Oh my god, I'm gonna sound like an absolute broken record. <laughs> I'm actually gonna uh I'm gonna say a one nil at Let's Go win and a, a, a bit of moment of brilliance from Griezmann. Yeah. But I'm you're gonna see a defensive masterclass from Diego Godin and Giorgio Chiellini, yeah. who are two of the best at what they do. Yeah. I I, they, I fully concur, Scott. Yeah. They are two of the best in world football at the moment I know they're both coming to the end of their career I think Chiellini is 34 and Godin what, must be what 32 maybe 33 um, Godin's going to go into a new challenge and go to Inter Milan next season which I'm really looking forward to seeing him play in Serie A because I think he'll be brilliant in Serie A um, he's, he, he did an excellent job at Villarreal he's been an absolute colossus of a defender at Atletico and for Uruguay and you're going to see two of the best and you're going to see probably one of the best attackers or two of the best attackers in world football yeah. in Griezmann and Cristiano Ronaldo on Cristiano, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo um, Juventus played Sassuolo at the weekend um, Juventus won and now 11 points clear in Napoli and it looks like they're going to wrap up Serie A in the next month or two Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo in his disgust uh, I think that an offside call managed to kick the ball into the face of Sammy Kadira, mm. which is quite funny. It was quite funny. It was point blank. Goodness. But yeah, that's something to explain to your colleague on a Monday morning, isn't it? Yeah. Why'd you kick me in the face? Yeah. No, I I fully concur with the uh, Chiellini and Godin. I've seen them both live. I saw Godin against Arsenal back in April in the Europa League semi final, and he was the best man on the pitch. And uh, obviously Chiellini in the Champions League final in Cardiff in 2017 where even just at a short distance just to raise your hands to your fellow defender to let them know that everything is alright was just a moment of pure simplicity. And, um, you know, defenders don't get an awful lot of uh, praise. They don't, they don't win awards. Which, you know, it's a team game at the end of the day. I think Cannavaro was the last defender to win the... Uh, the Ballon d'Or. I don't understand why the likes of Chiellini and Godin have never been, uh, never been nowhere near. But you know, defending is as as important as uh, as any other position, and it should also be taken into account. But it's going to be a real, it's going to be a real intriguing watch, and uh, so many different um, caveats, and uh, should be a really, really intriguing game. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, Juventus are coming into this a bit not not iffy form, but they they got knocked out in the Coppa Italia by um, Atalanta. They drew with Parma, which they were three one up yeah. and conceded two late goals. Um, two goals from Jovino, the ex Indeed. The, Ar- the Arsenal and Roma and Lille legend. Indeed, well, I wouldn't use the word legend. I used the need five <laughs> chances to put one ball in the back of the net. But that's yeah. you know, yeah, he, he did try hard. You can't, you know. We did enough pay through the nose for him. I think we paid fifteen million, fifteen million pound from uh, from Lille, if my memory serves me rightly. The final game of the uh, the Champions League midweek is in Gelsenkirchen between Schalke and Manchester City, 
And um, yeah, an intriguing tie, not the easiest place in the world to go. Um, and yeah, what, what's your thoughts on Schalke Manchester City, Scott? Um, I, I, not to be blunt, and I'm going to f- say apologies to Schalke fans and to apologies to Richard Carman, who on Serie um, sit down is also does the Schalke pod. Um, I, I can't see man, I can't see past Manchester City in this in this form that they've got at the moment. They've managed to score goals for fun in January and February um, I saw bits of the game against Chelsea it could have been 9 or 10 it really should be 9 or 10 and I'm going to feel sorry for Schalke but Manchester City are going to put on a masterclass also away from home yes ok very interesting what's your prediction uh, I'm going to say 3 now. I think Schalke will score I think that they're not going to be completely rolled over but again I agree with you the form that Manchester City are in but whether this whether this will really translate into a European setting, I'm not so sure. I mean, Manchester City, when they had everything going for them in Europe, got to a semi-final of the uh, Champions League, lost to Real Madrid and basically bowed out without trying. Yeah, 1-0, 1-0. Yeah, but, it, they, like but they didn't even try. You know, you're, you're, you're on the verge of history. Um, I think Manchester City will get through this round, but I think it, I think it will be a a Juventus or a Bayern or a Real Madrid that will knock them out. Because, yes, I can understand with the project of, you know, the money involved and regeneration and all that, but that doesn't necessarily translate into uh, into European success. I mean, they had a period where they didn't get out of the group for uh, for years on end, and then that... that, that um, the, the next um, level, so to speak, the next hurdle, so to speak, is was the last sixteen, and and they finally got past that. I think I think Manchester City will win three one. Uh, Schalke are not in in the best form and and not having uh, the greatest uh, of of seasons, a little bit inconsistent. But I think I think three one to Man City. But I'm by no means enamoured that this is a City side that. Will will win the Champions League. I think maybe dependent on a a quarter final draw, it could be end of the road in the next round. But uh, we'll just have to see how that works out. Yeah, it came came to a bit of a crashing halt last season when they were blown away by Liverpool at Anfield in a crazy first half of football. Mm. I think they were three 0 down after a half an hour, and Alex Oxlade Chamberlain. And it's good to see him on the return for Liverpool because I think he could be. Um, a key a key player for them in the end at the end of this season sorry the end couple of months of this season he just was brilliant that day indeed I never watched that game because I was fast asleep because I was on a holiday in Japan <laughs> and we had a uh, we had a uh, a time difference of I think it oh I can't remember how how many hours it was now but I woke up in the morning to find out that uh, they'd been blitzed by Liverpool but uh, yeah some really interesting ties. Uh, in the next midweek round of games and now that the Champions League is staggered with all the matches kicking off at 15 minutes later it used to be 7.45 it's now 8 o'clock British time 9 o'clock Central uh, Central European time Scott that wraps up our latest Man in the Post European podcast would you like to tell the listeners how they can get in contact with you? Yeah, you can follow me on on Twitter at Scott underscore Munro. I'm very open to talk about football, cricket. I'm enjoying uh, a bit of the both over the weekend. Uh, enjoying Swindon winning back to back league win uh, league games. Uh, enjoying um, going to enjoy the Champions League and enjoying some Serie A for the next couple of weeks. 
Indeed, indeed, very good. Listeners can contact me on at James Rowe and L, and you can also give me some feedback to a couple of interviews that uh, have been happening. I, I spoke to today. Today, I spoke to the uh, French American goalkeeper of Auxerre, Quentin Vesperg, and also to uh, Danny Redman, who plays for the New Saints in Wales. So, uh, a fair few interviews up and coming. So, feel free to get in touch and leave your thoughts behind. And check out the latest one with Wolves under twenty three. Scottish midfielder Elliot Watt. Uh, we'd like to thank you very much for um, for listening uh, tonight, listeners, and we hope you're enjoying the Champions League. We'd like to uh, um, say before we go to point you in the direction of the Man in the Post European uh, Man in the Post podcast network. Sorry, uh, where we have really something for everybody, whether that be Man in the Post extra time or unusual efforts, or maybe you have a favourite podcast that you'd like to listen to. There really is something for everybody, so we we uh, advise you to check that out. And finally, we'd like to let you know to always remember to keep your man on the post. <laughs>